You are tuned in to Awaken Radio with Connie Chapman. To listen to more episodes, go to ConnieChapman.com or subscribe on iTunes. Hello and welcome everyone. It's Connie and it's so beautiful to be here with you today. I hope that wherever you are, it's nicer than where I am. It's pouring rain here in Sydney, so I'm all snuggled up with my candles and a cup of tea. If you're listening live, I hope you're sitting somewhere comfortable and warm and dry and that you're all ready for today's beautiful episode, which is going to be really soulful. I feel it's going to be quite deep. I feel it's going to be a really beautiful conversation and I'm super excited to be bringing it to you today. So I'm chatting to the incredible Susanna Frioni, who is a certified life coach, mentor and teacher, helping women reconnect with their soul truth and awaken their bodies so they can embody their full potential and live deeply fulfilling lives. Susanna also leads powerful and transformative sacred dance parties for women and writes about freedom, feminine power, intimacy, presence, and love at susannafrioni.com. In June 2014, Susanna will also be the host of the upcoming Love, Sex, Desire podcast show, where spirituality meets sexuality. For the past four years, she has been embarking on her own soul truth journey, from yoga and meditation to studying the Enneagram, from entrepreneurship and leadership to sexual awakenings and motherhood. Susanna is committed to leading with soul in all that she does. And that is exactly what our conversation is about today. It's about leading with soul. And I can see that Susanna is on the line, which is awesome. So I'm going to bring her on so that we can start this gorgeous conversation today. Hello, Susanna. How are you? Hi, Connie. I'm well. How are you? Very well. I'm so glad you're here. and, And thank you so much for making the time to be here as well. Oh, my pleasure. I am um, I'm really excited to speak to you about this and to dive into this concept of leading with soul, which is what we decided to call this episode. And I think we wanted to give it that kind of broad umbrella so we could touch on lots of different facets of this conversation, uh, as I'm sure, you know, we'll cover many different areas of life and, and be quite multidimensional. Um, as a starting point, because I know you, this is a big theme of the work that you teach and you're also going to be launching an online program under the same name. Could you just give us an idea of what this concept of leading with soul, to lead with soul, what that means to you or how you even describe or explain that? Yeah, and it's a really good place to start because, um, you, you know, in order to lead with soul, we kind of have to know, well, then if I'm not leading with soul, what am I leading with? That's the other question, if we were to flip yeah, it. Yeah, cool. And, you know, um, this has definitely been my own personal journey and really getting clarity around, you know, what does that mean? And there's probably a couple of dynamics we can talk about. And I guess if we're not leading with soul, for me, we're leading with ego. And yeah. if we are flipping why we do everything that we do and you know, right up until, and I'm sure, you know, you're another young woman and there are so many of the young women out there who are reaching like a point in their life where they realize they've either achieved a lot of the things they set out to achieve and they're reaching that arrival point and kind of feeling really deflated or it wasn't all that it was meant to be or this whole like, now what? 
<laughs> and there's yeah. no real deep satisfaction or actually I'm going to remove the word satisfaction, deep fulfillment. And yeah. it's like they also forget the whole journey. And mm-hmm. so for me, it's really about internalizing um, what I'm leading with and I guess, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, I'm being guided as well is probably a big one versus doing it for everybody else. And in order mm. to lead with soul, you know, like I said, we, we have to, what, what is our ego? Who is running the show? There are so many parts of ourselves that we are cut off from or um, are not in conscious relationship with that needs to take place. So I was kind of like a very, because it, it is, it's a broad topic. It really, yeah. really is. It isn't just about business and it isn't just about um, relationships because it includes parenting, includes every single dynamic of your existence pretty much. This is a way of living, right? And it, 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 exactly what you're saying, it's not specific to a certain area of life. It's the place you're coming from. It's kind of the why behind what you're doing. And as you said, what's guiding you, what's leading you. Um, oh, there's so much about what you've shared there that um, is resonating with me. But is this almost the starting point? You kind of said this, is this distinction of, first of all, recognizing, almost assessing, getting maybe looking at your life, looking at yourself, and assessing what is currently driving my life. And I love what you touched on there, that you can start to get a sense maybe of of if ego is driving your life, if you're arriving at these places that you thought would fill you up and you still feel empty. Um, So is that where you begin with people in this process? Is that kind of assessing of where am I, how am I even living at the moment? Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, if we were... um to come back even just one step more and speak about like mm. the concept of, of change and, yeah. you know, and change and transformation. And there are a number of approaches that we usually take when it comes to change. And one of them is the, um, you know, I need to fix something or something's broken, right? Mm. And again, it's something's wrong <laughs> and please <laughs> let me fix this. <laughs> <laughs> and and again, like, you know, when we're coming from that approach, um, you can clearly see that, you know, ego is running the show again. Or yeah. we can also come from the place of um, let me set these goals and be really, it's like the add-on approach. So one's kind of like the takeaway approach, one's the <laughs> add-on approach. And, you know, if, if only this happens or once I reach there or once I launch this book or once I have this baby and I have this house and, and so forth. But when you are leading with soul, I mean, there's a perfection about it. You already know you are enough. And this isn't about changing anything or fixing anything. It's more of, it's, it's about the expression. Yeah. So it's not so much the seeking and the grasping and the pursuing it's the acknowledgement that everything I'm seeking is already within me and then it's the expression of that absolutely and I think you know we get really stuck on the um the expression part because it feels like I know personally for me 
um, when, and I guess I'll speak from my own experience here just to get mm-hmm. this really practical, that when you're kind of starting to disidentify with this ego, this personality part of yourself, that it feels like this is just who I am. This is what I do. What do you mean this isn't how I live my life? It can be really confronting and confusing and you have that feeling of like, then who the fuck am I? (laughs) I know that's what it was like for me. And and I'll just like, like I'll bring this back um, to one particular note. I remember reading, you know, one of my egoic and personality traits was about the, um, you know, I'd walk into a room and, and lift the energy of the room. Now, it's a beautiful quality. Don't get me wrong. But when it said it was part of my, like, personality identity, I thought, but, like, who, that, and I, at this time I was a group fitness teacher when I learned about this, and I thought, that's what I get paid to do, that's what I'm good at. What do yeah. you mean this isn't who I truly am? Like, it was, it was a really confusing moment. And when I was started to separate myself from it, I still felt this impulse to to do that, like it was a very natural part of myself and I felt almost at war of going, but you can't do that because that's your ego or that's your personality, um, you know, tap into your true essence. But yeah. still like this, this impulse in me would just, like I could feel like I had the natural capacity to do that. And what I noticed was that whilst it was... Um, Whilst it, yes, whilst it was a strength of mine, but I could also witness how I was using this to get mm. something. And I think this is the distinction. Using it to get something or have my way with the world in some form, whether it just be to be seen or to be heard or to be loved. And actually, I'm reading a book at the moment by Byron Katie. Mm. I'm loving love her. <laughs> oh, and just this one quote, and I, you know, it's like a prayer. She's like, if there, there was... One wish that I'd want God to fulfill, it would be the desire to be loved, seen, and heard. <laughs> yeah. Wow. And I love it. So much of, you know, the pain and the suffering has really stemmed from wanting to have those three needs met. Yes. And, and so just kind of coming back to this, um, you know, this particular moment of saying, yeah, like this, there is a natural capacity within me to fulfill that. And I needed to just pause and notice when I was doing it automatically without any conscious thought, even on the moments when I didn't feel like it, but I'd slip right into that habit. Then mm. when my cup was almost already full and it was more of an overflowing expression of what mm. I could do. And I wasn't taking anything from the space, but more just radiating. Oh, yeah. And I love that word radiating. What you're saying resonates so powerfully with me because I know and you probably guide people through this process of as you start to confront your ego, look at its gains, challenge it, there can be an identity crisis type feeling when, as you're saying, you've identified so much with ways of being and ways of doing things and career roles and relationships, etc. And I went through a process of, of often at times very much questioning myself and almost overanalyzing with this ego, is this my truth, you know, and not being <laughs> clear about it, right? But I love what you're kind of saying. It's that um, 
say there's a part of you and you know this may for example manifest through people running businesses online I know this played out through my business there is such a authentic desire to share this message to teach to mentor to guide to use social media as a platform to write content for example that is it just oozes out of me naturally but my ego can take that and definitely turn it into something else about uh, getting you know the attention the recognition the love etc so it's not about scrapping that whole aspect of myself and being like that's just ego it's kind of peeling away the ego aspect of it and reconnecting with it so that you can let soul lead that part of you is that kind of right absolutely yes it is it is more of you're actually being carried by your own light and that's being like a radiance for me is a word that just works really beautifully because it is it's just this you're just shining and it is yeah it's not for the light it's not for the shares. It's not for the comments. And we're just talking business here. Um, yeah, yeah. But purely, oh, my God, there's something moving through me. I need to write this. And whether or not you share that with the world, I think that, you know, there's, there's two layers. Um, you know, I just recently wrote a, a blog post that just really, I mean, it was just, I've been wanting to share different parts of this story for the last six months. And every time I would get to write something, it felt so hard. And I just know for me, when something feels so hard, um, mm. and this is a little different from discomfort, but when it's hard, when things don't seem to flow, I just stop. I just go, okay, not the right time. Just carry on. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. was able to write this um, so easily. And with the intent of going, are these stories useful? Is this really useful? Is this me just needing to like air my dirty laundry or just feel, you know, everyone talks about vulnerability being powerful. Is this me just needing to join that particular movement and feel like I'm going to be hurt or seen? It's like I couldn't care less to some degree of how it's received um, because that's not what I'm doing it for. That's not the like number one motive. For me, it comes back to the word why as well. You know, when we're sharing, when we're expressing, when we're bringing that feeling out, it's kind of like, what is the why or the intention behind this sometimes? Is it purely that there is something, yeah, that I have to bring out into form or that I have to share? Or, you know, is there an agenda or an, sort of a need or um, an ulterior motive behind it? I think sometimes that question why can actually really help us assess that space. Yeah, and I think at first when you're going through the why process, um, you know, you can it can feel like nothing's going to happen because you start to realise, oh, my God, I'm trying to get something from every little thing I'm doing. Yeah, you're like, it happens <laughs> all the time. <laughs> it's like, whoa, okay. Um, I've just so... got to sit on a stump and do nothing now. <laughs> Which, you know what, I highly recommend you do when you're in that place. It's, it's like you really need to reorient your yeah. sense of self. Mm. You need to mm. reorient your sense of self. But, you know, as I said that, I'm like, I need to repeat that. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah. And where where from? Yeah. I almost, um, you know, this is my practical head coming in. 
you know, the question that comes to me is how, and, you know, we all, there is, there is such an intricate process to this, but how do you, I mean, maybe even reflecting on how you started this process, is it that sort of stepping away from all the action and just having that self-inquiry time to assess, you know, who we are and where we're coming from and why we do what we do and this driving us? Where do you where do you support people to begin that that process in themselves? Yeah, I mean it definitely starts with stillness, and it has personally personally with me as well. You know, my big awakening came from ten days of silence and meditation retreat, which is like you know I think ten hours of meditation every single day. I'd never meditated in my life. I had no idea what I was getting myself into, and oh. and to be honest. Even whilst I was there, I was still planning my life and still, like, I would have epiphanies each day and I swore I would get it and be like, yes, and kind of, like, replan my life and then, you know, an epiphany the next day, I'd be like, yes, let me replan it because one of my habits is definitely in the planning. And it wasn't until I actually left the retreat and came back into my life and in the present moment, it was like my body came alive and it was speaking to me. And it was, and so I think in present time, I could make decisions about my life. So instead of me forecasting, okay, um, if I change my work hours and daycare and, and we do this, okay, yeah, it'll, that's all right. I can stay in this job, it'll work fine. Versus arriving at my job and just being hit with that, it's time. And me just going, mm. it's time to go. I don't know where I'm going next. I'm not going to trip up on the how or the where to. But this decision in this moment is what is right for me. Let me take that step first and see what opens up. So the quietness, coming back to your question, mm. two profound things. It was the stillness, but also the relaxation. Mm. We are so addicted to our habits, to our personality traits, to the way we do life, that it creates tension in ourselves, whether that's like a physical tension in the actual body or we're so rigid in our perspectives and how we view life. Um, But there's just a tightness and we need to soften Mm. and open to almost gain a wider um, perspective of the different choices that are available to us in a whole new world. And, and a different voice as well because I think exactly what you're saying there, the space and the stillness and the receptivity that kind of comes from being in that heart space, that feminine space is more of a listening space it's like where you create the space to actually hear your soul speak to you but exactly what you're saying when we're so rigid and overplanned and overthinking and overstimulated we can't hear even the voice of our soul that is trying to lead us to what's really right for us oh yeah you won't hear anything (laughs) no and you won't feel it either i want to touch on the concept of the body because i know um you know, you work a lot with movement and with this kind of connection with the body. And that's, you know, as you say, in your past life, you know, you're in sort of the health and fitness and teaching fitness classes, etc. Um, 
you know, for me personally, connection with my soul is a, is a visceral physical feeling. It's the ability to feel my inner guidance as a knowing, as an inner sensation. Um, what's your experience of, you know, this or the role our, our body plays in our connection with our body in being able to actually connect with our soul? Oh, huge, huge, huge. Yeah. And uh, gosh, you're asking really brilliant questions, Connie. <laughs> awesome. I'm glad. Um, well, I just feel the space is there. Let's do it. <laughs> um, you know, and it's, it's funny because, yes, as a fitness teacher, I thought I had a great connection with my body, you know, yeah. particularly in regards to alignment and movement and um, just being really dynamic. Great. And it wasn't until um, this experience at Vipassana, the meditation retreat, where you, like, I had to hold my feet for long periods of time and be with what is. And you can imagine, I mean, for anyone who just tries to sit cross-legged, <laughs> um, <laughs> these days is uncomfortable to say. That's the yeah. kind word. Um, and you want to adjust your pose and you want to scratch and you're kind of distracted by all these little sensations but you're almost like compelled to react to them. Again, it's, it's reactive. So yeah. being able to stay still, it was like, holy shit, my body is, what, what is this? For me, that's what it was. It was like, what is happening? And <laughs> the meditation technique that I learned in particular was one, observation of the breath and two, um, observation of sensation. And it started here. I didn't even know what sensation really was, to be honest. Wow. I, yeah. So, I mean, yes, I knew pain, but I came from that, like, push through the pain, glory's on the other side, no pain, no gain, yeah. mind, mind over matter. <laughs> Um, yeah. Whereas very masculine I, energy. Yeah. Ah, uh, and just um, not even just masculine, just very egoic. <laughs> yes, totally. Very, very egoic. Because, and actually, I love that you brought up the word masculine because I think this is going to play beautifully. So, yeah, it was really about sensation, and then even then, it was really through my work um, during my certification through the Deep Living Institute, um, which specialised in the Enneagram. And for those who don't know what the Enneagram is, um, on a very superficial level, it's a personality typing system on a very deep level because its roots are very ancient, just like yoga is a tool for awakening. It combines the psychology with the spirituality. Wow. And, and, and the reason I did this particular training is because, um, you know, doing my yoga um, at the time and I was obsessed with presence really but I wanted I wanted like the practicality of presence there is a mythology behind it mm -hmm. and this is what this training gave to me and it was the inquiry into the sensation there was so much inquiry for me particularly when I came into the world of personal development um, it felt very mental it was all about yeah. the stories I was telling myself and, and I could get that I was telling myself, you know, let's just say fucked up stories and oh, am I allowed to swear because I just did? <laughs> yeah, no, go for it. I think you already have numerous times. You just keep going for it. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. See, I'm just in my flow. Um, the, I love it. 
um, verse. Oh, I, that kind of interrupted my train of thought. Oh, that's right, the real mental, <laughs> the real mental story. Yeah. And, yeah, need, needing to tell myself better stories. So I, I could get this on a mental level, but the thing for me I couldn't understand was why my body felt the way it did. Like I started to feel numb or just depressed, like not just mentally but physically. And I just knew... The work for real transformation, it needs to be embodied change. It has to incorporate the body. You have to be able to inquire not just into the mental stories. I'm telling you, that's a rabbit hole. <laughs> I don't know yeah. about you, but for oh, me, yeah. and I've seen with my clients, it's like we can go to town on the stories. One story just leads to another story. It's a multiplying it effect up there. Ends. Never ends. Never, never, never ends. But when you're able to say or just even ask, what am I noticing in my body right now? And you might just go, I'm hot. Like, that's it. And it's like, where? On my shoulder. Okay, and inquire into that. It's, it's very factual. It's very tangible. And the, way, the reason um, in regards to sensation and why this has such a strong relationship with the soul, because like you said... Yeah. You soul is a very visceral experience. It's speaking through you, through feeling. The feeling comes through the body. And it is our body that is here right now. It is the only mm. thing that is here right now. Our mind's flickering all over the shop. But deepening this connection with your body, but more sensation and and it, and and being able to pull it apart, I hesitated there because um, you know it was my yoga practice was all in <laughs> this uniting and bringing everything together and not labeling things. And yes, it's place, but there is something very very powerful in untangling and unraveling. Um, I mean, all different parts of stuff, particularly with sensation. You know, yeah. I can say I feel angry and again I'm coming back to the whole point of this but it's really important to yeah. to dive into this it's like I can I can go, I feel angry and it's like yeah I can say in the story of why but I can come back into my body and notice my jaw is tight there's a heat rising in my chest um or there's like a, a feels like a solid ball in the back of my shoulder blade it feels very hard and as I inquire deeper into that, I mean, all sorts of things are going to rise. Um, but again, on the other thing, it comes back to space. Believe it or not, space is on the other side. And yeah, it's in those spaces, like you said, you hear another voice or something new is revealed to you instead of everything that's been on repeat or rehash, something new comes up. And... Um, and you start to connect with that. And for me, the more I connect with that verse, the story or the ego or the inner critic, and I develop that relationship, I become more intimate with that and I start to understand how it speaks to me. So when I'm out in the world and something's happening and I feel like I get a buzz of ideas, I'm actually able to discern which ones are truly mine like, because it feels different. It's like, oh, I know what that feels like now. Verse, 
oh, that's just an idea because I thought someone did something really great and, oh, I feel like I need to keep up and I need to just oh, do that. Yes. <laughs> the, the, no, let me release. That's what that feels like. You, I mean, how do you, yeah, and I guess this is the power of direct experience as well. Yes. We can read everything. We, can, we, can, we all know. We're intelligent people. But do you really know? Do you really, really, really know? In your body, have you heard it? Have you received it? Have you felt it? Oh, and you know what? It's so close. This is the thing that always blows my mind when I work with people because many of us are so disconnected from our bodies because we're in our heads and we, you know, sometimes even connecting with our body is initially uncomfortable because as you said, you know, when you're in that stillness space, you start to become aware of all these different sensations and all this stuff going on and people always sort of say to me, oh, I can't feel my guidance or I can't feel my soul or whatever. But it's, it is actually really close if you can create the space to to drop into it. And, and I'm sure things that you do through movement and dance are one way of really connecting with the body. Um, I, I'm just really resonating with what you're sharing because I trained as a life coach, very heady, very strategic, very story-based. And I've just very naturally uh, and quite intuitively been guiding my clients through very physical body work sessions even though we're via Skype and really exploring body sensations and not even understanding or having to know why that's there but just peeling back the layers of the sensation the emotion the discomfort and exactly what you're saying below that is the space you're seeking below that is is the um that beautiful spacious light whatever it feels like to you and and it's exactly what you're saying this ability to start to become familiar with our body's sensations when something feels resistant or when something feels expansive or when something feels like that's my ego freaking out I can feel the panic of it versus oh yeah that resonates and I want to act on that and I think it is a, a personal process of becoming familiar with how your body or your soul, because as you said, it's communicating through you like that, how it, how it communicates with you. I think that's just building that relationship. Mm. It is, and it's so personal. And, you know, um, I also want to bring, you brought in something about the masculine before. <clears throat> yeah. Yep. And I want to share, um, you know, part of my own journey with, you know, it's been four years since that day at the meditation retreat. And... Mm. Like we're in March, yeah, exactly, exactly four years this month. Wow. And I, um, I recently read the book by Sarah Beek, Red Hot and Holy. Mm. And there's this one, have you read the book? No, but it's interesting that it keeps coming onto my radar. So I'm definitely getting the sign that I need to read it. Yeah, okay. Highly, highly recommend it. And like it's one of the books that's just always here, but... I love it. She speaks about um, the divine masculine and the divine feminine. And, you know, she has a page where she's kind of describing the divine masculine. No, sorry, she kind of groups the words. She goes, you know, when you think of um, like oneness, um, emptiness, non-attachment, enlightenment, um, probably even perfection, equ equanimity, 
And you know, she's like, okay, just feel into that. And then she has, um, you know, another group of words that she puts together. And the words like ecstatic, erotic, sensual, full, alive, messy, um, energetic, uh, emotional, fiery. And she's like, I can just feel into that. And then she goes on to describe for her what the divine masculine feels like versus the divine feminine. And, you know, through it she's sort of saying, um, you know, like for her the divine masculine would feel still and the divine feminine would feel like movement. Um, You know, the divine masculine would feel kind of really cool and calm whereas the divine feminine would kind of feel really hot or um, mm. like I'm in my body at the moment, doing hot and bothered. Um, what else did she say? Oh, the, the divine masculine sits under a tree all day and meditates, whereas the divine feminine dances around a fire all night. So she's kind of doing mm. this distinction. And when I read that, it was um, only just um, six or seven, eight months ago, I just had this lightning bolt moment because last year for me was this very awkward year. I felt like I was gathering momentum, but this feeling came in where I, I you know, I couldn't quite, I, I didn't understand it, Connie, to be true, like honest. Here I was mm-hmm. teaching yoga. I was in love with yoga. Yoga was one of the tools that helped me, you know, gain deeper access to myself and let go of many, many things. But I started to feel really stuck and rigid. And like, mm, um, it just, it started to feel hard was the thing I was noticing. It was hard to show up and teach. It was hard to, like, it didn't feel light and joyful. And a part of me was just like, I'm just getting bored. You're just needing something new. And I'm doing all this psychoanalysis work. (laughs) You know, to work through your boredom issues. <laughs> <laughs> You've and, got boredom issues. Boredom issues. <laughs> I love it. And, <sighs> and, um, and then there was, I actually went to a five rhythm um, class and in that session something happened and I just remember leaving there going, I loved not being told what to do. Like that full freedom of just being in my body and just going wherever I wanted to go like I just I had been missing that um but again there was something about five like I only went twice I think I've only ever been yet two maybe three times to five rhythms and there was something not quite whole about it for me and it wasn't until um I Jess Amesco the wellness lawyer had her retreat um, and she asked me to do the movement sessions, and she was like, Sam, can you do like a yoga dance on our first night? And I was like, oh, no, I won't do yoga <laughs> dance, but, but give me 60 minutes and I'll, I'll do something amazing. And she's like, all right. <laughs> and awesome. It, it was. It was an invitation and an opportunity for me to almost bring all my worlds together. There's the world that... I was currently in with this yoga and meditation and stillness and really connecting movement with breath. Yet there was the part of me, I was a group fitness teacher for eight years who has 
big energy, knows how to take people higher. Um, wow. She wanted to she wanted to play, and she didn't have an expression for it. And and I love to dance, and it was like, but not choreography dance, just just free dance, ecstatic dance, and. And it was just like everything coming together. And that night on that retreat, like something just went up. And I started to realize here I was thinking this awakening that I'd been having was me getting in touch with my feminine. It was me softening. And yet I was practicing some of the most masculine forms of spirituality, like the Pashna meditation is a still sit, <laughs> silent yeah. meditation. And vinyasa, like power yoga, it's very linear. There was no fluidity in any of my practices. Like my, there was no, the creativity part, the wild part of me was begging for me to come back. And I was so scared because it was like I was coming full circle. I was, I say scared because I realized I had always been in touch with this feminine part this wild soul but god damn did it get me in trouble <laughs> you know <laughs> before but like it, it was wild it was reckless I didn't know or I didn't have the capacity to be with this energy fully and channel it in ways that was healing or nourishing so not just myself but for those around me so now it's like coming back in touch with this really wild, erotic, sensual, fiery, hot energy. Um, I'm in so much of a different relationship with her. But because I feel like there's been some work done on the, the masculine part of me and even just like the, the spiritual, this oneness element, it's like I have a container. I don't know. I feel a lot more supported than I ever have. Oh, and I just love that you mentioned the word supported because that was actually just on the tip of my tongue. Um, what you were saying is actually really shifting the way that I'm seeing the masculine and feminine because it's interesting. My uh, perception of masculine energy has always been, I guess, what you labeled as quite egoic. So this, this, this action-focused, forceful, strong, intense, um, you know, very practical, very logical kind of energy. And I suppose, to be honest, I've placed quite a bit of judgment on that part of myself. But almost what's coming to me now as you're talking about this is, um, I mean, that's a different probably form of masculine to more of the divine masculine, which in my feeling is a very supportive energy. It's kind of like what you're describing, that energy supports the feminine. That's kind of what I feel. Is that how you kind of see the dynamic between the two? Yeah, like this, this is really new territory for me um, and it's kind of that I'm stumbling as I'm going along and I'm curious and leaning in, into parts. Um, but they have to dance. They just have to dance together, both of them. They're not, they're not separate. And for me, yeah, definitely at, at this point of time, um, it's almost like through that, stillness and grounding is like the space opens up for me to be wild with her 
the only way mm. I can put it in. <laughs> but, you know, she needs grounding. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> right. I feel, no, I, I totally feel what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. The dynamic between the two and the, and I think that will be such a, um, again, a personal practice of exploration for people. But um, I feel that's really important because I see a lot of women very disconnected from that free, wild, expressive, um, vibrant, at times fiery, you know, aspect of themselves that's raining, raining, that's yearning to be unleashed. Um, and I feel it is about creating that grounded, still space to support that energy to be expressed. Um, but that's a whole, I just say that's a whole other conversation in itself. <laughs> it's the energy that's incredible. It totally is. And I think so. Yeah, like it's a strong, like it feels so strong and powerful, this energy. And like I said, I was shit scared of coming back in contact with her because I knew of this power. And I feel like I'm just on the tip of it, you know. Um, and there's so much more to explore there. But, yeah, I really needed to do that grounding and the, and the stillness stillness because I think the other thing you know and circling back to ego um, you know there's also the concept of your um, spiritual super ego like the ego will grab a hold of anything and replicate it <laughs> mm, and yes. um, and it will just almost trick you into believing that you're doing things soulfully or spiritually yes. but again like we said at the beginning <laughs> it always comes back to why are you doing this? Yeah. You know, I see people, um, which is one of the biggest things, you know, I always taught was I don't care if you're rocking up, you know, if you go into the yoga practice or if you're doing the juicing or sitting down and doing meditation. If you are rocking up to yoga, you know, road raging your way there, um, you mm -hmm. know, rushing through and just kind of being really uh, not arrogance the wrong way, but just being really aggressive with the practice and then leaving and then having a fight with your husband when you get home and yelling at the children. Um, or if you kind of, you know, doing just, again, it's like the how you do everything really matters. It, it's mm. not necessarily what you do, it is your how. Yeah, I feel definitely the how and that also to me relates to the difference between being and doing. It's who you're being while you're, what you're embodying, what energy you're embodying while you're doing that. And that kind of leads me on to the, to the final thing I kind of want to chat to you about, which was I noticed a lot in your writing and your work, you, you talked about this concept of kind of redefining success, which I think is really, really relevant to what we're talking about just right now and really important for that, those many of us who are, striving for success to some extent and have external markers of success and I think are all caught up in our heads about what it means to be successful. Um, but, you know, from reading your work and I've heard some of the stuff you've said about how success is kind of this ability to live and work in alignment with your soul's deepest desires and values. I actually just wrote that down off your, your website because it really resonated with me. And, and as you're saying here, it's almost about the how, it's about the being space. So this concept of redefining success, what can you share with people about that who are caught up in maybe the wrong measures of success or ego-type measures of success? 
And I just want to add in regards to the, and I'm doing quote and quote here, the wrong <laughs> measures. Like, nothing is really wrong until it's wrong for you. Like, mm, true. Yeah, no, nothing is wrong um, until it's wrong for you. You know, everything in your life um, has served, like, it, it serves you up until it no longer serves you. And you, no one else can decide when that moment is but you. So when we come around to the conversation around success, um, you know, a lot of us are making, and this comes back to choices, but a lot of us are still making choices through the filters that we developed when we were younger or we took on from other people around us, whether they're society or family members, um, and we've just lived them out. And for me, in redefining success, like some of um, you know, those people that have really influenced me is definitely Danielle Laporte's work in the Desire Map mm. has been life changing. And I've even noticed, you know, how it's transformed during like the three years or something when I first learned about this process when it wasn't even a book of its own, it was just a chapter in I think her Firestarter sessions, um, was, you know, come back to how you feel. We've been talking about feelings. It's always about how you feel. Let go of the form around you and how you think it needs to show up and instead come back to the experience let go of the form or the object and keep coming back to the experience. And, you know, her concept of how do you want to feel, it's a very simple question. Um, when you can tap into that and that's your lead, that's what leads your yeah. decision, you open up a whole new world. You do things that you never thought you would do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it takes you... Um, on a path that you you don't yet have the capacity to see or imagine. Mm. Leading with soul and in conjunction with redefining success is about exploring new worlds. It's about yeah. exploring the unknown. And if you're always operating in what you do know, Oh my God, you are so limiting yourself. Just, totally. Yeah, there's a real cap and a ceiling there. Like you have to be prepared to die. I'm so, I'm like a fanatic about destruction and creation <laughs> and dying and being reborn. Um, yeah. Like you have to be willing to forget everything you've ever learned. Yeah. And, yeah, wow. <laughs> and keep coming back and like, how do you want to feel? And again, what um, part of the transition of me even coming back into my feminine was changing one of my core desired feelings, just one. I had, um, what was, I'm trying to think, what was the original word? The word is ecstasy now. Yeah. I would have chosen that word three years ago when I first discovered this work, but because I felt like that was a real natural state for me, I knew the ecstatic feeling.
but I felt so identified with it. <laughs> so during my period of extracting myself from where I felt yeah. identified, I removed myself from that word. Uh, and, yeah. and then, yeah, like through this dance, I was like, no, I actually want to feel ecstatic. I can't, I'm trying to think of a word that it replaced. Connect, uh, no, connected me to intimacy. Anyway, um, but it was that word that gave me permission to really step into this sacred dance work that I'm doing <laughs> mm. and, and has also been part of um, helping me birth Love, Sex, Desire, which is the podcast show I have coming up in June, and to really tap into the realm of you know, authentic sexuality, sacred sexuality, more than I've ever wanted to. Mm. Wow. But, yeah, and I was just, just going to add, but I felt like, again, like I could have been here three years ago, but clearly I needed to go through some process about it really coming from, and it, all that's changed really, Connie, is that orientation again. You know, instead of it being rooted in the ego, the pole just shifted to my soul. That's it. Yeah. The the expressions are probably going to look exactly the same on the surface, but from where I'm coming in, like from within the interior, is very, very different. And that, for everyone redefining success, that's really it. Mm. That is so perfect and beautiful and it, it almost, I feel like it takes us full circle to almost where we started because it's so beautifully linked to everything that we started talking about, about this space you're coming from and and how you're doing things and why you're doing things and um, the, the feeling and the energy um, that you're bringing versus just what you're doing. Um, Susanna, thank you so much for your time. It has been, I, I literally, I could talk to you for hours. Um, this has been so incredible. I just resonate so deeply with everything that you're sharing and with, you know, I can feel the space you come from. And I think that's what's so powerful about this concept of leading with soul is, you know, we're all quite energetic sensitive and you can feel um, the space a person is working from, is creating a product or program from, is speaking from. And, you know, I think more of us coming from this soulful space is what's really needed. So thank you for showing up in that space with me today. I just so appreciate it. Mm, thank you for holding this space, Connie. Beautiful. My absolute pleasure. Well, um, I am sure I will talk to you again sometime soon. Thank you so much for your time. And thank you to everyone who's been listening to us today as well. And I will chat to you again next week. Thank you, Susanna. Have a beautiful day. Bye. Bye.